Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Episode 108 of Mr. Benfica. It has been a while. Yes, it has. Seven long weeks since I last posted an episode. The last time I posted one, it was a post-game report against Riwav back on Monday, the 1st of March, in which Benfica won 2-0. Benfica would go on to win seven straight in all competitions, concede zero goals, and now I'm back to tell you that we suck again, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, absolutely abysmal performance this past Saturday at home against Gilles Vicente. And it, an unexcusable, unexcusable performance in a match where Benfica should have been fighting for their Champions League lives. There was no fight in that team. And here we sit at round 27, 27 rounds complete, and this team still searching for an identity. Still searching for an identity, and I wish, I wish it was as simple as it just being the football department. But my friends, it's not. It's across the club. Overall, this club is in shambles, in my opinion. Far, far too many piss poor performances across the different sports, across the different departments. Not enough winning. 
We do have a couple of teams within the club to congratulate a little bit later in the news section for winning championships. But we are Benfica. We are Benfica Nation. We are Sport Lisboa Benfica. We should be winning almost everything in Portugal. We are bigger than Portugal. Shouldn't be coming in second or third in so many different sports, so many different modalities. And it starts at the top here. I've been gone for seven weeks, but I'm back to say that name again. It all falls on the president and the 66%, 63%, whatever, that thought he was doing a good job and kept him on. So, with that said, it is a very, very dark time for our club. And I'm going to be honest, I am very, very concerned about the future of this club. I'm very, very concerned about the future of football in general, as we all are right now. News broke yesterday about the official creation of the European Super League. And um, this is something I was somewhat expecting, but by no means does that make me happy about it. I've said this before. And I think a lot of these ridiculous decisions Luis Filipeta has made over the past three, four seasons in charge of this club have been done with the motivation because he wants to be in that European Super League. Well, I don't agree. I hope Benfica, and I don't see Benfica fitting in that group. Let's be perfectly honest. I do not see it happening. You're talking about clubs with wealth way beyond anything we can imagine. Okay. You're talking about clubs with owners of, you know, I mean, Manchester City is owned by, you know, a shake uh, from the Middle East. American owners at Liverpool and Manchester United. Big-time investors, or big-time investments towards the mega clubs that are Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, yes, they are democratic clubs in name, but, um, you know, Florentino Perez, president of, of Real Madrid, who was just re-elected to another term, uh, is spearheading this along with, you know, his allies there at the, the wealthiest of the wealthy clubs. And it's not even about wealth. I'm sorry. It's not even about that. I mean, this this European Super League idea could destroy football once and for all. Um, with that said, I don't think it's going to... I don't think they'll ever kick off in their first match in that league. I don't. I believe this was more of a, a strategic move to get what they wanted, and they may have gotten it because, from what I understand today, UEFA approved what they're calling the Swiss model for the Champions League, which will start in 2023-2024, where there'll be no groups, one giant table of 36 clubs, playing 10 matches each, random schedule. Uh, I don't see how that, that makes for a very fair competition. Because it could be very, it could very easily be, um, if not corruption, to give a team uh, the easiest path to the to the knockout stages. It could be sheer luck, but someone could draw, you know, could draw very easy ten or five opponents because it's home and away, I believe. Um, or I'm not sure if they're playing ten different opponents. I should have done more homework on this, uh, but this is breaking news as we speak right now. But It'll be 10 matches in the Champions League, not 6 to the teams that get in. Of This is what these big mega clubs want. 
We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. But what I'm going to tell you right now is I am back. And I will have a blog post on my new website. Okay. I'll have a, a article on ptbmedianetwork.com. Later this week, I'll post the link. I'll, I'll do all what I usually do when I write. But I'm going to give you my reaction to this officialization, if you want to call it that, of the, Euro of the European Super League. And what, if it happens, and I'm very skeptical that we'll ever see it. I think it's more of a, a political move than it is an actual move. But we'll see. Time will tell. I, we also thought that a World Cup in Qatar in the winter was never going to happen. But now it's pretty clear that it will happen. Um, I'll post my reaction to that later this week in writing for everybody to read. But i got to say this much, that I laugh. I laugh at the official statements from Befica Sporting in Porto, how they're not interested. Do you really think, do these teams and do these presidents really think that they're wanted at the European Super League? If they're wanted, okay, what this would mean for Porto, Benfica, or Sporting is that they would be brought in to be at the bottom of the table and to get kicked around. This would be suicide for those three clubs to go into the European Super League, in my opinion. They will have zero chance. It's hard enough to win in Europe in the current format, a cup competition, in a group of four. Where you can get a, a, a decent draw. Ask our rivals up north. They get a great draw every time. But when you have to play against all of the teams in a separate league, in a league format, our teams don't stand a chance. Unless, eh, unless, we don't know what's going to happen. And again, I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition. But I find it funny that they're, they're giving their, their disapproval. You don't think that if uh, if Florentino Perez called up Luis Felipe tomorrow and invited him into the champion into the European Super League that LFV is going to be all for it? What do you think he has been doing all these years? Why do you think he cares about getting a following in China? Why do you think he cares about ch you know changing the emblem so that in China it looks friendlier and it can sell? Why do you think the statutes of the club are being ripped up before our eyes? He knows the club would never democratically approve this. The Saucius would never go to a referendum, take a vote, and approve Benfica going to the Super League, in my opinion. I don't believe it. Of course, I didn't believe they were going to re-elect. Well, I, I shouldn't say I didn't. I don't believe because I did predict he was going to be re-elected. But it's, it's still hard to believe that two-thirds of the members of this club voted for this president. Like I said, I'll give my thoughts on that in writing later this week at the new ptbmedianetwork.com. Uh, you, you can see it there, and like I said, I'll post the link when we get there. Now, I do want to do a little bit of a PSA here because I have been away for seven uh, seven weeks, and um, many of you have you know reached out and made sure everything was okay and whatnot and asking what's going on. Well, a number of things. Um, first of all, my... My workload for my my jobs, my, my employment, has gotten out of hand. Um, I also needed a bit of a mental health uh, hiatus. That was the main reason I had to, to go quiet for a little while. Um, 
I simply lost the energy to to not just to podcast. I lost the energy to watch football. I'm not kidding you when I say this. I went of these seven weeks. I probably went a good four and a half weeks without watching any football at all. I watched Benfica play Braga, okay. And I do not remember a single thing about that match. I'm looking at the results right now. I don't remember anything. I tried to watch it. I was going to try to get a podcast out that weekend. I just couldn't do it. Um, uh, I was, you know, I'm dealing with burnout. Um, been under a lot of pressure. And I had a meeting at one of my jobs and I was told that my workload's going to increase this summer. Which is not what I wanted to hear. And it put serious, serious damper on my hopes on the kind of content I wanted to create for Euro 2020 through the P, through the Park in the Bus podcast, my, my, my other project, as you all know. Um, and that really, that, that hit me hard. The disappointment and the just... Exhaustion I was feeling, and then to hear that on top, I had a little bit of a breakdown, I'm not going to lie, and I have not been handling stress well, and that's why I had to back away for a little bit. Um, it was taking over my life, actually. It was I was really not doing well. And I, you know, I've had some struggles with mental health in the past. Not Nothing serious. I don't want anyone to worry. But I felt this overwhelming exhaustion and this overwhelming fatigue and this inability to really care about much and um, well feeling better now and I did get I did you know step away a little bit I did scale back a little bit my other job I was able to get some time off to kind of collect myself a little bit uh, they were very gracious and very helpful in that sense and I'm beginning to reorganize you know my my uh, my goals and my objectives going forward and I felt the time was right to get on this microphone one more time and talk however when I was ready to come back and talk my laptop <laughs> breathed its last as I as I said it on on Twitter I tweeted that I no longer had a laptop in this laptop is what I was using to to create all these shows, and the worst part, heartbreaking part for for me, I had hours of content recorded that I had never published that I was saving, historical stuff. You know, um, I was starting to work on an audio documentary type of deal. Um, I had a ton of recorded for uh, for the Portugal at the Euros. Uh, series I was trying to create. I, I put the first four episodes out, but I was working on more. I had virtually all of Euro 96 recorded. I was going to release it all at once, and I was going to put it on its own feed, and it's gone. And, uh, well, I'm just going to have to do it again. But good news is I'm recording to you now via my phone. A new computer is on the way. My new laptop is on the way. I'll have it by the end of the week, and I can get back on YouTube soon. That is my hope, that I can start putting these podcast episodes 
both in podcast form and in video form and get them up on YouTube for people who prefer to watch that way. What I am very confident in, and I know, is that you got great content from all the other Benfica uh, projects out there. Benfica After 90, Benfica Podcast, O Cantinho Benfiquista. Shout out to the, all of them. Okay, I know they got they were bringing you great content this whole time, which made it easier for me to stay away. And uh, also, you know, Benfica Independent, always, always top-notch, always top-class for those of you that prefer to listen in Portuguese. Um, but I'm happy, I'm happy to be talking again. It's been a while, and I, and I missed it. I'm going to be honest, I missed it. And I'm very, very happy to be on this microphone once again, even if it is a tiny lapel mic clipped to my, uh, clipped to my, my collar right now. It's not my normal studio mic, but that will be back shortly. And, uh, I appreciate everyone's patience, and I appreciate everyone checking in and making sure things are alright. That really meant a lot to me. And the only thing I ask of you guys, seriously, this, this past year, all around the world, this has been a hard, hard time. Not just for physical health for people, okay? The virus is what it is. It's a, it's been around the world, you know. People are at different, different levels of, different levels of concern about it. People are at different levels of susceptibility to it as well. Okay, I've never felt threatened by physical health. Okay, I never felt threatened by a virus. So I've not really stressed over that. But the confinement and the lack of contact with people has really had a number on me. I'm thankful that uh, I've been in touch and I've been seeing my parents this whole time. I've seen my nieces and nephews for the most part, you know. And I am grateful for that and that we all have this, this shared comfort in seeing each other through all this. But please, everybody, check on your friends. I, I just want to, I can't reiterate this enough. I've lost a number of people this year, none of which to COVID-19, many of which to mental health issues. Lost another friend this past weekend, someone I hadn't spoke to in probably a decade. And I'm kicking myself because I wish I had reached out. I wish I had reached out at some point. So please, check in on your friends and family. Make sure everybody's okay. Just because someone may seem okay or may post on social media looking like they're great, you know, there could be more there. Just give them a ring. Drop them a text. Say, what's up? You know, just check in on everybody. Please check in on the ones you love. All right, don't let 10 years go by and then lose a friend. All right, I lost a friend, a mentor, someone I coached with who I managed to lose touch with for almost 10 years. And now, you know, I was just thinking the other day about reaching out and just saying what's up and seeing what's going on. And I see a Facebook post by his daughter informing us all that he's no longer with us. So, please, check in on your loved ones. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it will be the news. There's a little bit of news this week. Uh, or I should say, kind of a quick compiling of uh, news that I haven't touched on in the past several weeks, but I'll be right back. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustin. You follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And of course, check out um, check out the website www.mrbenfica.com And don't forget um, don't forget also on Facebook. 
at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. I'll be right back. And in the news, we start with women's football, of course. Benfica women's football. Earlier, this winter, I would say, about a month ago, loses in the derby to Sporting and gives up first place to the Leoj. But three days later, Chloe Lacasse and company win the League Cup for the second year in a row. Benfica successfully defending their League Cup, beating Sport the same Sporting in the Cup Final in Leiria. They hoist the trophy for the second time in their history, both times this season, of course. The first time beating Sporting Braga in a final that was attributed to last season. Now they won the League Cup that's attributed to this season. And Benfica has gone on big win this past weekend over Sporting Braga on the road in Braga to keep pace with Sporting to set up what could be an absolutely delightful exciting final match of the season it, uh, it'll be at Alcushet against Sporting where the Liga BPI title could be on the line I'm looking forward to that very very proud of this women's team and speaking of the women's team young teenager internet now Portugal international Kika debuted for the national team in the disappointing uh, disappointing playoff in which uh, the Portuguese side failed to qualify for the Women's Euro 2022, losing 1-0 at home at Kostou before going to Russia and drawing 0-0 in Russia and thus losing 1-0 on aggregate and failing to qualify. But Kika debuted in both matches and she shined and Kika is the first women's footballer signed by super agent Georges Mensch, which means she could very well be the first one sold by Benfica uh, at some point. She's a teenager. She's very, very good. Uh, brilliant player in the middle of midfield. And I'm looking forward to seeing her growth. And she really shined in those two games against Russia. I have to say she was Portugal's best player. Inexplicably subbed off in both matches. Not really sure. I came away really unhappy. <laughs> I don't want to say unhappy, but really disappointed with uh, Luis Neto in in his his management of those two matches, and um, like we said, Portugal failing to qualify, but not due to a lack of effort from Kika and uh, obviously from Carol Costa and Silvia Cabello. Um, also featuring in the second leg was Benfica's right wing back. Katarina Madu also got her debut. She is also now a full Portugal international. There will be a new episode very soon in the next couple days. By the end of the week, I promise, because I am back doing this, and I've been meaning to get this one out, and we are going to have a women's team update in episode 109, and I will up, bring you right up to speed with everything going on with the women's team. Moving on, congratulations are in order to... The Mr. Marcel Matz and his men's volleyball team, Benfica's men's volleyball team, winning another championship. Dominant, dominant run for Benfica in men's volleyball um, in the past number of years. And Marcel Matz and his boys win three. They sweep Fontbachardu 
three matches to nil, winning three sets to nil with three sets to love in all three matches, um, beating the Azorian side, who had beaten Benfica earlier this season. And remember, Benfica also lost the cup final to Sporting, but then made quick work of Sporting in the semifinals of the league championship before beating Ponte Bastardo twice at the Pavilion de Luge and then uh, finishing it out in the island of Terceira uh, be, with straight sets in the deciding third match. And Benfica are the champions of men's volleyball once again. Crisis continues in men's basketball. Um, Carlos Lisboa really should not be the coach of this team any longer. I, I hate to criticize a legend of the club this way because he's still Benfica's best player, um, best basketball player. You know, in the history of, of Benfica, at least up till now. But he has not been the best coach up till now. And uh, it really it really is time for new ideas. And, I mean, there's all these all these American players coming in and out. There's, there's a lack of continuity in the team from what I've seen. I saw too many good players leave at the end of last season. And it's, it's just frustrating. But it looks like... You know, this is not going to be a year where Benfica uh, win the title. However, in basketball, there are playoffs. Benfica will be there in the playoffs. Uh, whether they're the third or the fourth seed remains to be seen. But they'll be there in the playoffs. And possibly, you know, if there is a miracle, they could go. They could go, you know, and run the table and pull off a few upsets. But I don't see it happening, unfortunately. I just don't believe in this coach. I, I hate to... To be the one to do this, and you know, I'm not going to name the players that did this, but uh, some players have criticized many of us who criticized the the basketball team, and have criticized some of the American players have criticized our expectation of this team. I think they lack the understanding of what it means to wear that emblem on your jersey, whether you're playing football or you're on the the hardwood playing basketball, it doesn't matter. You are wearing that emblem on your jersey. And with that brings a level of expectation that this team is not meeting. And uh, this certain American player called a lot of us out. I doubt he's heard this show, but he called a lot of us out for for criticizing him, for criticizing his team, and criticizing his coach. But it, it, it is not looking good for Befica in men's basketball, and something needs to happen. And... Staying on the theme of men's basketball, Benfica product, if you will, uh, Benfica youth player who now is a junior at Utah State here in the United States, Namiyash Keita has announced that he will forego his senior year at Utah State, and the Benfica basketball product has declared his eligibility for the 2021 NBA draft. We have never had a Portuguese basketball player in the NBA. I'm holding out hope that this could work. Um, he feels ready to take He told ESPN that he feels ready to take his game to the next level and fulfill his lifelong dream of playing in the NBA. If he does that, well, he is easily going to be the greatest Portuguese basketball player of all time, at which, uh, you know, we'll have to move over Carlos Lisboa. But if Carlos Lisboa was coming up now, he would have had an opportunity perhaps to play in the NBA. In the 1990s, there was no Portuguese basketball player that was going to go play NBA basketball. Let's be honest. But um, it doesn't mean that the skill set wasn't there. But very, very excited to see what comes of Namiyash Keita, uh, the Barreiro native 
who has come through Benfica's youth system and also a Portugal international and part of Portugal's under-20 European championship uh, side that won the B championship in Europe, the B division, if you will. Um, not the European champion, but the European B champion. It's, it's an explanation that <laughs> we can have on another day. But that is the news as far as basketball goes. However, we keep moving forward. Um, women's futsal are champions for the fourth year in a row. They they clinched the Tetra yesterday, winning on the road at Quinta de Lobos 6-2 and winning their fourth straight title. And with that, there are, there's more coming, obviously, as playoffs are approaching in, in hockey, men's basketball, and in men's futsal. So we'll have to wait and see if we can pull something off in one of those sports. Um, again, we're not, we're definitely not favorite in any of them. Futsal, it's a 50-50 toss-up. Every time we play sporting, we can win, we can lose. We, can, we lost the cup final by a large margin to sporting not that long ago, less than a month ago, after having drawn with them in the league. So anything can happen in, in futsal. We've been over basketball. Hockey, very close. Okay, rink hockey. Uh, Benfica's in there. They've had some pitiful performances this year, but they've had some good ones. Again, it's the first time that the Portuguese Rink Hockey League is going to have playoffs to determine their champion. That's a good thing for Benfica this year, because otherwise uh, we'd be looking up at Sporting and at Porto. Men's handball victorious this past weekend, 32-25 to over Boa Ora. And now the Eagles are third with a record of 21 wins and two losses. Porto remain top of the table with a perfect 24 and 0 record. Uh, women's, what do I have here? I have women's hockey beats Sporting this weekend, this past weekend also in their derby. They win three to two and extend their lead atop the table to six points. I do not believe that there are playoffs in women's hockey. We also have, uh, we also have this past weekend Benfica's judo athlete um, Telma Monteiro winning the European Championship. So we have another European champion um, in judo, or we should say she wins the European Judo Championship once again. And that is big on an Olympic year, of course. And we will see what she does in Tokyo later this summer. Now let's go around the Ligue Nage and get all of the round 27 results. Starting on... Friday, April the 16th, round 27 began at the began at Boa Vista, winning at home uh, 2-0 over Passos de Ferreira later that evening at the São Luís and Faro. Ferenc lose uh, 0-1 to league leaders Sporting Clube Portugal. And the Lions look every bit closer to finally ending their 18-year championship drought. It looks very much like Ruben Amorim is going to be champion this year. And, uh, well, I'll get to my opinion on that at a later time when they do, in fact, win it. And I do believe now they will be champions. Uh, I don't see any way for Porto to catch them. I certainly don't see any way for us to catch them. Uh, I think now they are in the clear regardless of what happens when we meet them later this season at the Luge. Uh, in a couple of weeks, however, uh, Sporting, in my opinion, uh, will be they will be celebrating this year. They will end their drought, 
And the real question remains to be what will happen next year when the expectations change and when players leave this summer, as well as uh, perhaps a little bit of, of the rest of the league starting to figure Sporting out. Their form has dipped in the last six, seven, eight weeks. And they are starting to just survive on these on these one-goal wins. And uh, it'll be a whole new season next season. And, and let me tell you, I am counting. I'll be honest, I am counting to the end of the season this year. Um, for some obvious, obvious reasons, I, I pointed out in the previous segment, having to do with my personal and professional life, but also with the way this season has gone and the way Benfica have performed. Um, I'll be happy to have some time uh, away from them, if you will, and have a nice summer with some with some exciting uh, international football to to rejuvenate me and to rejuvenate, I think, football fans everywhere. Saturday, April the 17th, the round continued. Moreres losing at home 2-3 to three to Tondela. Tondela continuing to... to Keep their hopes alive of staying in the Liga Nage or in the first division. It won't be called the Liga Nage next year, but again, Tundela have this habit of just of just sticking around. They make it close every year, though. You think they're going to be safe at the midpoint of the season, then they go on a drought, they go on a fall of form, and they get close to the line. A couple times they've had to save themselves on the final day. We'll see what the future holds and what the rest of this season, the final. Uh, the final seven rounds of this season hold for Tondela. Vitória Guimarães at the Dom Afonso Henrique. They win 1-0 over the Bravos Asturianos Santa Clara, uh, losing in a key matchup in the battle for sixth place, which will be a Europa Conference League spot this year. That is because the Cup, the Portuguese Cup is being contested between Benfica and Sporting. Uh, excuse me, Benfica and Sporting Braga. And both of those teams will be in Europe next year. So that will open up sixth place to the to the Conference League. Also on that Saturday, Bolognese Saad with a 2-0 win over Maritimo and the Madeira side are very much in danger of relegation. And of course, we have Benfica dropping a home decision 1-2 to visiting Gilles Vicente. And then Sunday, April the 18th, the round, the round closed out. First, with Fumalicão losing 1-0 at home to Portimonense of all teams. And it looks like I won't get my wish of seeing that side that I like to call Porto B or Portimonense go down to the second division. It won't be this year. And speaking of the devil, Football Clube Porto, 1-0 winners on the road at Nacional. So that will be it for the news this week. And we're going to have a quick break here to hear Reconquista because we really need a Reconquista at this point. It's time for this club to wake up. And on the other side, we'll get into Benfica Gil Vicente from round 27 of the Liga Nage 2020-2021. Here on Mr. Benfica, part of the PTB Media Network. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não vi por fazer o que 
sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós, o querer de todos nós Manto sagrado é peso pesado Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa sorte O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Estádio da Luz, now round 27 of the Liga Nós, Benfica hosting Gil Vicente, the referee is our old enemy, if you will, uh, our old friend Fabio Verissimo, and the lineups now starting with Gil Vicente, managed by Ricardo Suarez, in goal, Dennis is the goalkeeper, the French goalkeeper, 4-3-3 uh, is the preferred formation for, for Ricardo Suarez as he goes with Joel Pereira as the right back, Rodrigão as the center back along with Ruben Fernandes and Tolosha is the left back, three in midfield anchored by Carvalho in the middle Pedrinho to the right and Lucas Mineiro who as of today according to Abola and some of the other news sources is being linked with Benfica I will not comment on that until it's uh, until something is more substantial than that, but remember that name, Lucas Mineiro. Up front, Antoine Laute, Pedro Marques, and Lorenzi, the former Chapecoense youth product, uh, lead the attack for Gilles Vicente. Benfica coming out in a 3-4-3, three, three, and um, as much as I prefer the three-man back line, I would like to see the midfield organized just a little bit differently, but Elton Late is the goalkeeper once again. As uh, since I last, since I last recorded, Elton Late has become Benfica's number one, and Odi has been relegated to the bench and likely will move on in the summer if that's going to stay this way. If JJ stays, which I fully expect JJ to see out his contract. Regardless of how he performs, just because of the amount of money, Benfica would have to pay him if they were to sack him. Uh, Elton Late is his guy. Uh, he th Three-man back line in front of him, Jan Vertonghen, Nicolas Otamendi, the captain, and Lucas Verissimo. In front of them is Ulian Weigel, and a dropped with Diogo Gonçalves and Alex Grimaldo as 
somewhat wingbacks, however, more of midfield-like, uh, more of outside midfielders than they are wingbacks in this formation. This is what where I have a criticism of JJ. I would like to see two in in central midfield as a holding, not as a holding mid. Excuse me. I'd like to see a double pivot, but but. Georges Jesus sticks with Ulian Weigel and Adel Tarapt. And I would like to see Weigel and another, and either Gabriel, or as I look at the bench, well, he's basically the only other option. Or even a Peasy. I'd rather see start with, with if Tarapt is going to play, playing in front of those two. Because what happens is it's just too much space for Weigel to cover to block the two gaps that are naturally going to form between the three central defenders, but this is the way JJ put him out there in a 3-4-3. So Weigel and Tarapta, the center mid pairing. And as we said, Gonsalves, Dio Gonsalves and Grimaldo as the outside mids with a three-man attack uh, anchored, of course, by the striker, Eris Seferovic, the Swiss army knife, as he's called on Gold TV. Uh, Rafa to one side and Gianluca Waldschmidt to the other. And, well started bad it was bad in the middle and it finished bad uh let's go through uh the ticker a little bit here but there's very little positive coming from Benfica in this one and it was very 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 frustrating to to watch this game from start to finish and um we move through and we get an attempt. It, it's trapped in the 16th minute with the right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's blocked. Uh, Vitor Carvalho has a chance of his own for Gil Vicente a minute later, but it's high and wide. Uh, Tarapt called for a foul in the 17th. We get a we get a corner kick to Benfica in the 20th that was conceded by Rodrigo. Nothing comes of it, and, and it in fact ends up being called a foul against. For, uh, a foul on Vertonghen against the goalkeeper Dennis. Twenty uh, sixth, 22nd minute, excuse me. Diogo Gonçalves called for a foul on Lorenzi. Lorenzi, if you remember, and you probably don't, but I went back. I The name was in my memory, so I went back and looked. He has averaged, he has averaged no less than a 7.0 on Mob's rating system. Each of the three times he has played against Benfica. He's a player that has played very well against Benfica. And he would, he was the man of the match in this one, no surprise. As Benfica paid very little attention to him. As uh, Gil Vicente Pedrinho has an opportunity in the 24th when he gets on the end of a pass from Lorenzi. But his shot is blocked by none other than Nicolas Otamendi. Uh, Benfica continue to push forward and try to get out of their end and try to... Benfica sees a lot of the ball in this, but honestly, this is the kind of football that just drives me insane. It's the constant side, back, side, back, passing. Yeah, lots of great possession. You get to the final third, and there is absolute, they don't know what to do anymore. So they try to lob one over the top, and it goes out for a goal kick, or it goes into the goalkeeper's hands. Or Seferovic misses a sitter, which happens in the second half a few times. Lucas Verissimo goes into the into the referee Fabio Verissimo's book in the 30th minute for a foul against Lucas Mineiro. And four minutes later, it is Antoine Laute 
Antoine Laute, the French winger, who gets on the board and makes it 1-0 to Gilles Vicente. As uh, the Gilistas from Barcelos, they get on the board first. And it's a bit of a shock, to be honest, because Benfica haven't even conceded to Gilles Vicente in the last five meetings. But on this one, they would fall behind in the 34th. And Benfica do not pick it up after that. I mean, it's a lot more of the same. It's a lot more of the slow, methodical play. Uh, very little quickness. They, Benfica desperately needs a creative player. Do not tell me that that is a Delta Rapta. I'm tired of hearing that. He continues with his one goal and two assists. For his career at Benfica. He makes a nice play. He beats the first guy a lot of times. But then he doesn't know what to do. Okay, Once in a while he sets a guy up. Down the flank who gets a good cross in. But in that position. If you're going to play. And I'm, I'm tired of beating up on this guy. Okay, It's not his fault we don't have anyone better than him right now. Um, it, it is not That is not his fault. So I'm going to stop you know, bashing the player. But. Just no creativity in this team. Nothing outside of the ordinary. When the obvious pass isn't there, we run out of ideas. And this goes across the board, across the entire team. Very, very rigid, very, very predictable style of play from Befica. And I'll be honest, it's hard to talk about because there's just they're not giving me anything to talk about here. I can watch the game from my couch. And I'm going to be 99% right at every every time I guess where the pass is going. Because it's that damn obvious, the way that this team plays. Going to halftime, 1-0 to Gilles Vicente. At halftime, JJ makes the substitution. Everton is on. Lucas Verissimo is off. Verissimo, remember, has a yellow card. And why not go back to our trusted 4-4-2? Because it worked for a couple games couple games where you played against 10 men you know a few of those times but back to the old boring 4-4-2 the same 4-4-2 Juventus is, is utilizing in their embarrassing exit from the Champions League and their embarrassing fourth place uh, sta- spot in the Italian League right now same exact thing just like Atletico Madrid who went from an 8 point lead to a 1 point lead thanks to that 4-4-2 but that's where J.J. goes at halftime. And while we start to get some more chances, again, it's a it's a Seferovic, okay? He's probably going to win the damn Golden Boot this season once again. But my goodness. I've never seen a player need so many chances to score. 52nd minute, he has an opportunity blocked. Left-footed shot from the center of the box. Set up by Rafa. Still in the 52nd minute. Not even a minute later. It's him again. From the center of the box. But he misses the top corner. The 56th. Gilles Vicente missed one of their own. Pedro March. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. But too high. Getting on the end of a Vitor Carvalho cross. And in the 60th. We get a substitution. And of course. With JJ. Now that you have five substitutions. It's always going to be multiple players. So it's two guys. Nunez, Darwin comes on for Jean-Luc Waldschmidt. And Pizzi replaces Tarapt. 
And Peasy's confidence has been completely destroyed ever since he's been relegated to the bench. Um, and right now he doesn't deserve to play over Tadap. So I'm not saying that he does. But there was a time where he was producing. There was a time he was getting goals and assists. And we, were, we weren't getting results because we weren't defending well. Now that we start to defend better, we can't score goals again. Seems to be the story of this Benfica team in 2020, 2021. Really, the Benfica, the story of Benfica these last 14, 15 months. We just can't put together a complete game. And it, it, it's it's so frustrating. But there's a double substitution there in the 60th minute. And another attempt blocked. This time it's Everton in the 62nd minute. Right-footed shot from the right side of the box is blocked. Everton again two minutes later. Right-footed shot from the outside of the box this time blocked. Gilles Vicente go to the bench. Ricardo Suarez sends on Claude Gonçalves replacing Pedrinho. And Grimaldo with an attempt in the 68th, but it is missed. Left-footed shot from outside the box. Misses the top corner. Set up again by Rafa. Rafa was Benfica's best player in this game, according to the ratings, uh, at least here on FOTMOB. We'll look at the at the goal point ratings shortly. But... Uh, 72nd minute, and Weigel is fouled by Lucas Mineiro. 73rd minute, the ensuing free kick leads to a header from the Swiss Army knife, Harris Seferovic, but he misses. 73rd minute, still another attempt blocked by Everton. Right-footed shot outside the box. 75th minute, Everton again with, a, with an attempt blocked. There's a reoccurring theme here with Benfica. Attempts misses, missed, attempts blocked. Because, despite a run of good results, okay, and everybody's confidence starting to, to pick back up, and people, I can't believe I saw this on social media, but I saw people, <laughs> I saw people justifying JJ's hiring by these past five performances, after the league was pissed away, after Europe was an embarrassment, after the Tasa de Liga was pissed away. Now we're supposed to believe that this is JJ's Benfica. Well, here we are. Um, as soon as they have a big win against Pasquero, that 5-0 victory the week before, as soon as we get a little confident, yep, everybody lets their guard down, and this is what happens. And then when we run out of ideas, we force shots that are clearly... You know, into lanes that are clearly blocked. Uh, Everton again with another shot blocked. We get two substitutions for Gilles Vicente in the 76th. On comes the Japanese midfielder Kanya Fujimoto replacing Antoine Laute. And Samuel Diaz-Linu replaces Pedro Marques. In the, that's in the 76th. In the 80th, it was another... Laps, and this is a listen. You guys have heard how big I've been all season and how supportive I've been of Nicolas Otamendi. And he gets, you know, he gets made to look pretty slow here. Uh, obviously, the wing backs or outside mids, as they were kind of functioning as in this match, uh, were higher up the pitch because maybe you are chasing the result, leaves a lane open for Lawrence. Lawrence goes down his left. Otamendi can't catch him. The ball is played. Uh, it's a good ball played into space for Lawrence. And then from the difficult, difficult angle, he beats Elton Late on a goal that I hold Elton Late responsible for. I'm sorry. Odie would have saved it. I, in my opinion, Odie saves that. 
Odie may not be able to play with his feet and make nice passes, and I know that's what J.J. wants. But he's a, a much better shot stopper than Elton Leite. And I know, I know he had 715 consecutive minutes of a clean sheet. That, that's fine. At the end of the day, though, Odie is the better shot stopper. And I still don't agree with the goalkeeping switch. I know some of you do. That's cool. You know, we, we can agree to disagree. But it came up in this one, just like it did in the, in the in the two matches with Arsenal. The last time I talked to you way back, we talked about the two Arsenal matches. And I put some I put some blame on Elton Late, and I'm gonna do it again. This second goal, Elton Late needs to do better. He needs to do better. That's just my opinion. And um after watching it, you know, on replay, um it it for me for me confirmed my opinion. We move forward four minutes to the 84th minute and we get a, uh, another double substitution by Georges Jesus. On comes Franco Cervi in place of Ulian Weigel, which makes very little sense. But Pedrinho replaces Grimaldo. That makes more sense. Um, this thing that, that JJ, not just JJ, I'm not just picking on him, okay? Listen, JJ's a good manager who has been abysmal this season. JJ came in overconfident, arrogant, and he came in unmotivated to this position. He thought he was going to touch down in Lisbon, and that magic from Flamengo was just going to come with him. He was going to snap his fingers, and this team was going to start, you know, was going to pick up where Flamengo left off. Obviously, that has not been the case. And these substitutions that he makes are borderline insane. You're bringing on a wide player for a central midfielder. Yes, you need a goal. But you still need a guy in the middle of the park. One, to distribute the ball. Two, to win it back when the other team clears it. You can't just put all your players down the flanks. It becomes so much easier to defend. But when J.J. runs out of ideas, he invents. And this is definitely an invention. Anyway, we move forward. 85th minute, Everton wins a free kick. And ensuing free kick finds the head of Jan Vertonghen, but he misses just to the right uh, after a cross from Franco Cervi. 86th minute, and the attempt is saved by... Sorry, the attempt is saved on Rafa. And this is an interesting point here, because we've seen Seferovic miss at least four opportunities here. And I'm being in all seriousness, not exaggerating. Sometimes I exaggerate and say that he missed 12. No. He missed at least four. He should have scored one of the four. Rafa comes down the right and he's got Seferovic. I apologize if you heard that buzz there. The That's one of the drawbacks of recording on a cell phone. But um, Rafa's coming down the right side of the penalty area. And he has Seferovic at the penalty spot wide open and decides to shoot himself rather than to set up Seferovic who couldn't who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in this one. Um, he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach, if you want, to, to, to make it clear. So Dennis makes the save, and fortunately, as he saves it, he parries it off his own defender, Vitor Carvalho, and it goes off Carvalho and into the goal. And Befica pull one back. And 
I'm convinced if Rafa had decided to pass instead of shoot, Seferovic puts it over the bar. That's the way the game was going. I'm I'm convinced of that. Yes, this is maybe the most negative I have ever been on a Mr. Benfica podcast. Um, but having been in somewhat la la land the last four or five weeks, having watched, I have watched Benfica. I've gone back and watched them. I didn't watch the matches live. Like I said, I went a few weeks without watching any football. I completely broke away from football for a couple weeks. Going back and watching. And now, as soon as I watch live, it's the same old Benfica. I really had a second thoughts about whether or not to even... Whether or not to even uh, do this podcast today. I... uh, Thought maybe I should wait for the next match and hope it goes better. But no, I'm back. And um, I figured if I don't record now, I may never get back into it. So, uh, it's 2-1. to one. Befica is still trying to get an equalizer. Otamendi is fouled in the 87th minute. Befica move up the pitch quickly. And win a corner that was conceded by Ruben Fernandes. And Ricardo Suarez will make... Another substitution here in the 90th. Diogo Silva replaces the man of the match, Lorenzi. As does uh, Enrique Gomes come in for Jean Talosha. But on the ensuing uh, corner kick, it is squandered once again by Benfica. And the goalkeeper, Dennis, has shown the yellow card for time-wasting afterwards on the ensuing goal kick. Final opportunity of the match is at 90-plus-5. As Darwin Nunez does some good work down the left. He finds Nicolas Otamendi. My man, Otamendi. The one guy on this team I want a jersey of, to be honest, right now. (laughs) And um, that's hard for me to say because, well, seven, eight years ago, that would have been unthinkable. But... Nicolas Otamendi gets a right-footed shot from outside the box. He's close, but he misses the top corner. Very nearly leveled it. But that was going to be the final opportunity of the match. And Benfica drop all three points at home to Gilles Vicente. So, with that, let's look at the goal point now as I pull it up. And we will start with the ratings for... For Gilles Vicente. Now, Fault Mob had named had named Lawrence the man of the match. Goal point has Gilles Vicente's uh, Joel Preda as the man of the match. But uh, Gilles Vicente have a overall team rating of 5.57 with a 1.3 expected goals. A 1.3 XG. Well, they scored two. So they outperformed the, the XG metric. Uh, Dennis in goal, 5.0. Joel Preda was Gilles Vicente's man of the match, according to these rankings, with the 7.0. Rodrigo, 6.0. Ruben Fernandes, 5.0. Tolosha, 6.0. Lawrence, 6.3. Pedrinho, 6.4. Uh, Lucas Minedo, 5.1. Not to be confused with our Pedrinho. I'm talking about the Pedrinho from, from Gilles Vicente. Uh, like I said, Lucas Minedo, 5.1. Uh, Vitor Carvalho, 4.5. And uh, Antoine Laute, 6.2. The forward, Marx has a 4.2. Off the bench for Gilles Vicente, Gonçalves um, with a 5.5. Fujimoto, 5.1. And Linu with a 
Enrique Gomes and Diogo Silva, no rating, didn't play long enough. Benfica, slightly higher average, uh, average rating, an average rating of 5.59 with a 2.1 XG, 2.1 goals. Benfica should have scored at least two goals, but they didn't. Elton late with a 4.8 in goal. Um, so goal point agrees with me on that second goal at least. Uh, Diogo Gonçalves a 5.8. Lucas Verissimo 5.1. Only playing a half. Nicolas Otamendi, according to goal point, is Benfica's man of the match. He's their, their highest rated player with a 6.8. Vertonghen 5.8. Grimaldo with a really poor 4.6. And I, it's been a very disappointing season for Alex Grimaldo. No question. Um, his stock has really dropped in the last two, three seasons. With especially the last two seasons with Benfica, absolutely dropped, and really sad to see. But he's so limited defensively, and when things aren't going offensively, he really does not offer much. Weigel with a disappointing five point seven, even though I thought he was fairly decent in this game. Trapped and Rafa each with six point fours. Seferovic with a five point three. And Luka Waldschmidt, 4.7 off the bench. Everton earned a 5.6. Pizzi a 5.8. Darwin Nunez a 5.1. While Charity and Pedrinho did not get a rating. Did not play enough to get a rating. Shots on goal. Okay, Benfica with 9 total shots to Gil Vicente. 8. And only 1 on goal to Gil Vicente. 2 on goal. Uh, actions in the opponent's area. Listen to this statistic. Benfica 36 actions in the opponent's penalty area. That is insane to only get one goal. And only get one shot on goal from all of that action in the box. Five corners for each team. Benfica with an 86% pass efficiency to Gilby since 77. Benfica with a 66% vertical pass efficiency to Gilby since 57. Um, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Benfica 14 defensive ab, uh, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield to 8 for Gil Vicente. Benfica with two-thirds of the possession. But again, we all know what I think about possession. <laughs> um, and to be honest, it goes even against my, my uh, beliefs. Because we even have the territory in this match. It was simple. This came down to a lack of finishing, and that's it. Although, a lot of the deliveries were poor, too. I will say the final delivery was poor 9 out of 10 times in this match. And when it wasn't, the finishing was, was putrid. Absolutely putrid from Befica in this game. Our goal was scored by the other team. Keep that in mind. Because we decided not to pass to our wide open player. Otherwise, you probably would have missed it. Not a good day for Benfica. Um, rolling through the goal point. And at the 27th minute, goal point has an interesting fact that <laughs> Tarapt had the only shot on goal through 27 minutes. And that was from 29 meters away. Lucas Verissimo connecting um, on only 54% of, of 24 Attempted vertical passes. 
and he's been good since he's been here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize that player. He's been good since he's been here. So that's not why we didn't finish. Was not because he didn't connect enough vertical passes. But going down, just the legend here on Goal Point. A lot of things to look at, and uh, go to www.goalpoint.pt. You can see it all there as well. Um, just all in all, a match that we'll all be very quick to forget. Um, I'm sure we all want to forget it. Let's go now to the table then here in the Liga Nash. Sporting Clube de Portugal lead the league. Six point lead right now through 27 matches. 21 victories. Six draws. Undefeated. Zero defeats for Sporting right now. 49 goals scored. 13 allowed. 69 points. Six behind them. Is that team I absolutely abhor up north. They have 63 points from 19 victories, 6 draws, 2 defeats. We are in 3rd place, Benfica. 6 points behind Porto. 57 points is what we have right now in 3rd place. Which is a playoff. A playoff. Not a spot in the Champions League proper, but in the playoff. Uh, I believe like this year we would have had to go through 2 rounds to get to the group stage. Uh, we've got 57 points, 17 wins, 6 draws, 4 defeats. Way, way below par in what is, in my opinion, becoming one of the worst seasons since Vietnam. Maybe this is the onset of a new Vietnam. Many people believe it is. I, I know I've been overly negative all season and especially in this episode. But uh, that's where we stand right now. 57 points, third place. Two behind us is Braga. We have not secured third place yet. Do not be fooled. There are seven matches left. Uh, Braga have the same amount of victories as we do, 17. Just they have six defeats to our four. That's the difference right now. 55 points for Sporting Braga. Passos Ferreira continuing their, their exciting run. Continuing their historic season uh, under the guidance of... of of Peppa, he has brought them to 5th place. They got 44 points, 13 victories, 5 draws, 9 defeats. Vitori Guimarães right now in the all-important 6th position. As I said, they won that, that crucial match with Santa Clara. So right now, Vitori Guimarães 38 points in 6th. 7th is Santa Clara with 35. Morirense in 8th with 34. Portimonense certainly staying up now. ninth place, 32 points. Tondela... All the way in 10th. They're, they're on pace to maybe have their best season ever in the first division. 31 points. The same 31 points as Gilles Vicente who are in 11th. But with a far inferior... Uh, I'm sorry. with They're missing out not on goal difference but on head-to-head. -head, as they have a far superior goal difference to Tondela. But obviously miss it, losing the head-to-head -head right now. As uh, Tondela are in 10th. Bulanish Saad is in 12th right now. 30 points. They're close to securing safety. Miguel Cordoso's Riuav are 13th with 29 points, while Boavista, managed by Josualdo Ferreira, in 14th. Famalicão are out of the danger zone now. For four now, I should say. They have 27 points, and they're in 15th. Maritimo out of the bottom. They're out of last place, but... Holding on to the Liguilla spot right now. The Liguilla, remember, is this year's promotion playoff. The reintroduction of the promotion relegation playoff. 
between the 16th place team in the first division and the third place team in the second division. Right now, it is Maritimo and Academica in those spots. Maritimo have 24 points, two better than Farense, who are in 17th place on 22 points, and Nacional in 18th. They have really become somewhat of a yo yo club in. Portuguese football, yo-yo meaning that uh, they go up and down between the first and second division almost each year. Uh, they go down, they come right back up, they go right back down. They have 21 points. Now, the top goal scorers. Um, well, Seferovic held that position as the top goal scorer for a short time there. But now, we look at the stats as I pull it up, the top goals. We have here Pedro Gonçalves Pot is the leading goal scorer now. He has 17 goals. Harris Seferovic, our Swiss Army Knife, again, as he's called on Goal TV here in the United States, has 16. He's one behind. Would not surprise me if Seferovic goes on a little bit of a tear at the end of the season when we have very little to play for and wins this golden boot. Mario Gonzalez of... Tondela is now third. He has 12, as does Sergio Oliveira of Porto. We know like 11 of those 12 are from penalty kicks. <laughs> Mediteremi has 11. Not even going to say another thing about him. And that, those are the top scorers right now in Portuguese football. Next week's fixtures now, as we look ahead to round, round 28, which begins, well... You're going to be listening to this on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on the day it's released, it's today, Tuesday, the 20th of April. Passos Ferreira host France at the Capital do Móvel. Then on Wednesday, the 21st, we have Santa Clara hosting Moreirense, Maritimo hosting Rio Ave, Braga hosting Boavista, and Sporting hosting Bolognese Sad. While on Thursday, we have... Tondela versus Nacional, Gil Vicente versus Famalicão, Portimonense hosting Benfica, and Porto hosting Vitória Guimarães. We're back to this nonsense of playing weekday matches. And in fact, looking at the rest of Benfica's matches throughout the rest of the season, Benfica play only one more weekend match, that is the Clásico. Uh, or I should say the Derby against Sporting. I pull up Benfica here and I look at the rest of their fixture list. Let's go down it quickly here. As we just said, Thursday the 22nd of April, away to Portimonense. Monday the 26th of April, away home to Santa Clara, excuse me. Friday the 30th of April, away to Tondela. There's three straight weekday matches to finish. The month of April. Then on Thursday, May the 6th. Yes, Thursday, May the 6th, we host Porto. Why are these matches not being played on weekend? It's to play two matches in a week, I suppose, due to the fixture congestion. But very, very frustrating. I this For those of us that work for a living, this sucks. <laughs> um, Tuesday, the 11th, away to Nacional. And then Saturday, the 15th, the home derby with Sporting. Where hopefully we show up and we hand them a loss so they don't go through the season unbeaten. I really can't stomach the idea of that team going unbeaten throughout an entire season. 
And then we close the league on Wednesday, the 19th of May, at Vitória Guimarães. Always a tough match at the Dom Alfonso Henrique. And they're going to be playing for a European spot, potentially, so it'll be even more challenging. And then, of course, the cup final on the 23rd, four days later, on the 23rd of May, against Sporting Braga. That, of course, is going to be played, I believe it's going to be played in Coimbra again, as it was last season. That is what we got left this season for Benfica. Let's hold on tight. Let's bear with it. We'll get through this. And hopefully this summer we will rebuild. I know we just spent $100 million last last offseason. So it's going to be hard to, to rebuild. But hopefully they come back next season ready to play. But we got to see it out. And I want to see improvement. Most important from my point of view. I want to see improvement through the rest of this season. I want to see improvement up to the cup final. This cup final now is even more important than usual. It really is. We need to win this match. We need to lift this cup. This fan base needs a good note on what has been a terrible, terrible 16 months by then. It'll have been 16 months of just utter misery from this club. Across all the departments, not just the football department. And George Zouz has to back up his salary and the commitment the club made to him. At the very least, he has to deliver third place and he has to deliver the, the Portuguese Cup. And he has to get to the damn Champions League group stage next season. If not, we, he has to be, we have to fork over the money and let him go. Because there's no future there at that point. In my opinion. Some of you might disagree with me. And I know some of you think he should have been gone yesterday. So, we'll see. Of course, the financial side of it is what ends up influencing the decision most. And can you imagine? Can you imagine if he had accepted the four or five year contract that LFB wanted to give him? We would be stuck in this predicament. We would have been stuck paying this man for five more years. Fortunately, he's got one year left on his contract. That's another reason I don't see Benfica sacking him no matter what happens. Because I don't see them wanting to pay him an exit clause when he will be gone at the end of next season anyway. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Alright, thank you for bearing with me. I know this has not been the best of episodes. And I know I know my last couple episodes before taking that hiatus were, were not my best work. Um... Again, bear with me. I'm going through a little bit of a, a tough spell right now. But it is getting better. And I am feeling better. And um, I fully expect to pick it up going forward. And um, hopefully, Befica will improve. I will improve. And we'll all finish this season on a high note. But this is going to be episode 108. I will be back later this week. Hopefully with my laptop ready to go. My studio mic hooked up again. Hopefully with some video to go with it for the YouTube channel. And I'll have episode 109, which will be an update on the women's team and where they are right now and what they've got going on here for the fi- as we look forward, really, to the final month of the season. Thank you for listening. This has been Mr. Mefica here on the PTV Media Network. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. After, f- after seven weeks, happy to say once again, signing off, and I'll see you next time 
here on Mr. Benfica. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and hit up www.mrbenfica.com. Thank you. And don't forget also an article coming out later this week at ptbmedianetwork.com. And I'll be back in a couple days, hopefully, with more. And we'll get to talk about the women's team. A lot more positives to talk about with that group. Carrega Benfica. Força Benfica. Please. Dame o 38. Next season, I guess. For now, dama taça. And dama o terceiro lugar. We'll see you next time, people.